Hallelujah. 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 For this is the day that the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice. Amen. And be glad. And as the old saints would say, last night could have been our last night, but thank God that God woke us up today in our right minds. You knew who you were. You were able to comb your hair, whether you bought it or grown. Amen. It's yours. Amen. And what a blessing that is to be alive and to be well. Listen, do me a favor. If you haven't spoken to your neighbor all morning since you've been here for the past 13 minutes, look over to him. Say hi to him. Give him an elbow. What kind of do something. Just let them know that you are glad to see them on this beautiful, beautiful summer morning here in Southern Illinois. To all those that are watching via Facebook Live, we thank God for you. And to those that are watching on YouTube Live, we thank God for you as well. Those in person, can you help me praise God for all of our online viewers? from Facebook to YouTube. We're so glad that you have tuned in and we hope and pray that you will be blessed by the Hope World Experience. Do me a favor if you have not already, go ahead and share this. Go ahead and tag others in it so they can be a part of the Hope World Experience. Listen, we're getting ready to come with the Word of God, but want to share a few things with you. Uh, that yeah, Share a few things with you and then we'll go right into the Word of God. Don't forget this coming Wednesday is our night of exhortation as we are praying, as we're coming together as a body to be able to pray. Those that are not able to join us in person, we do ask that you will join us on the Team Hope World page to be a part of that night. Listen, I want to encourage you, if you are able to attend in person, uh, to please come and do so. We're walking out what Nehemiah did right here and these books that we've been going through. When they prayed together, they came together to be able to pray. They came together to be able to pray. So I want to encourage you. It's been a long time since we've gathered on a Wednesday. So I want to encourage those that are able to come in person, to come in person for our night of exhortation this coming Wednesday um, at 6 p.m. as we are praying, as we're seeking the face of God, um, as we've been preaching through, we have different target areas um, that we're going to be praying. Um, so I want you to come out and meet us this Wednesday at 6, 6 p.m. Amen? Amen. Listen, next Sunday there will be no in-person worship. We know that there is Labor Day weekend. Many are trying to get in their last travel, their last good barbecue before we go into the fall season. So we will be online only next Sunday. Everybody say, next Sunday. Online only. We'll be online only next Sunday. You can drop your tithes and offerings off here at the church before 1130. Um, you can also use all of our electronic ways to be able um, to be able to give as well. Listen, I need some strong men to help us out the service real quick, real brief. We got some dollies now to help move these containers from back to school to put them back upstairs um, so that children's church can be able to have their area back. Um, so after service, if you can meet Miss Chanel over in the fellowship hall after they dismiss the kids. Uh, from Children's Church. We need your help real quick uh, to take these bins and put them back upstairs in the storage room. I was meaning to do that last week and it missed my mind. I got caught up. Amen. I forgot to mention it, so I need your help um, in doing it as well. Listen, we want to add to our music ministry. If you're interested in singing, you love to sing, you just have a you just you have a passion and a heart to be able to be a part of the music ministry and singing. Please see Sister Greta Matthews, our minister of music. We would love to have you a part of our music ministry. Ain't that right, praise team? We would love to have them. Amen. A part of our music ministry. Listen, let's get to the word of God. Nehemiah chapter chapter 4, Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah chapter 4, starting at verse 6 through 15, Nehemiah chapter 4, starting at verse 6 through 15, to all of our elders and ministers, our deacons, our mothers, to all of God's people, it is certainly an honor, amen, to be 
house of the Lord one more time. Amen. Amen. If you can't stand with us as we um, stand for the reading and reverence of God's word, if you're able to stand, stand. If you can, it's all good. But if you can, let's stand together uh, for the reading and reverence of God's word. Nehemiah chapter four. Amen. <laughs> Starting at verse six. And it reads as this from the New Living Translation of the Bible. It says, at last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that the, work was being, that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the walls of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made up, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. With the people, the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying before they know what's happening, will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who had lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed area. I stationed people to the stand to stand guard by families armed with swords and spears and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your daughters and fight for your sons and fight for your brothers and fight for your wives and fight for your homes. I want to use, as we are in part four of our series, we got work to do. I want to use the title this morning, Managing the Problems of Progress. Managing the Problems of Progress. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you. God, we praise you. God, we magnify you. God, we glorify you because you are God. You are great. And besides you, there is no other Lord. I pray right now, God, that you will capture our hearts and our attention this morning, oh God, as we glean into your word, Father God. Let us not miss what you have to say to us today. Let us not be caught up in what the week, what, what we have to do this week, what we have to do today, Lord God. But let us be attuned to what you want to do right now in our presence, oh God. You have something to say to us, God. So I pray that our minds are open. I pray that our hearts are open to receive from you today. And it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Managing the problems of progress. Managing the problems of progress. Nehemiah left off in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18, by saying, by the people saying, Yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Nehemiah, this brother that has a burden, has a plan to be able to go and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I told you last week, just for him to be able to get to where he's from, from the king's palace to get to Jerusalem, is over 800 miles one way. Taking about a month to be able to get there, but Nehemiah has a burden. His burden that he has is so, is so big, is so great, Elder Williams, that it goes beyond his comfort. It goes beyond convenience. It puts him into action. But I like it that before he moves.
moves into action. Chapter 2, Nehemiah goes. He scopes out the scene to see what's really going on. He, he looks to see how bad things really are. He already has a plan of what, he, what needs to be done and how everything needs to come together. I love it that even when he told the king what he needed over in chapters 1 and 2, he had no idea what the scene was like. He had no idea what Jerusalem looked like, but the Holy Spirit in those four months of praying had already given him divine insight on what to ask for as far as supplies to get what they needed. Get to chapter 2. He rallies the people up. He tells them, hey, let me tell you about what the great king has done. Let me tell you about my conversation with the king and the favor that he has given me. And here it is. He excites the people. He, he rallies the people together behind the vision, behind the burden. And now they move into action in chapter 3. Chapter 3 lays fall, lays fall and gives us the full scope of everybody that was a part of the work. Everybody. Kings, nobles, priests, servants. Everybody got their hand in the work to do something. I like it. There was one group called the Tekoanites. They would not bend. The Bible says they would not bend their necks to even try to help. They wouldn't even submit to Nehemiah's plan and what God had already given him to do. It doesn't matter what work you're trying to do. There will always be people who won't do nothing. I love it. Because what Nehemiah does, something that all of us need to learn, he gives them one verse to talk about how they did nothing, but he kept on complimenting everybody else and what they were doing. Sometimes we spend so much time on those who don't do anything that we, we lose that time to encourage those that are doing the work and are involved in the work. He shows everybody that's involved and engaged in doing the work, and here it is. They get to chapter 4, and they get there, and the Bible says in verse 6 of chapter 4, at last the, at last the wall was completed. Peter's a half his height around the entire city for the people that have worked with enthusiasm. Everything, the vision, the pep talks, everything that Nehemiah has done has led them to this point. Now they have half the wall up. Have the wall that's completed. And the Bible says they did it with excitement. They did it with enthusiasm. They did it with passion. They were excited behind what they were doing. But here it is before we even get to verse 6. It looks up there at, at verses 1 all the way through 5. That you have Sen Ballad and you have Tobiah. You have the Arab. You have the Ashadites. Now they are upset. The Bible says they are furious that the work has gone on and is halfway done. The enemy shows up just at that height as they have half the wall up. They are angry and they're trying everything they can do to be able to get them off their to get them off their mark to stop them from doing what God had called for them to do. I love it. I love it so much because here it is. Nehemiah lets us know something that the enemy is not after our talents or our abilities. The enemy is not after our skill sets, but the enemy is after our minds. He's after our minds. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because it tells us later on in the text, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit. It tells us later on in the text that the enemy, they had a plot to be able to confuse Nehemiah and his team and what they were doing. Because they realized if we can get into their minds, if we can be able to tap into their minds, we can stop them from working. They've been working so hard. They've been working so diligently. No, no, no. If we have to get in their minds if we really want to be able to make an impact and change what they're doing. And here it is, saints of God, with you and I, the enemy is not intimidated by our gifts or our talents. He's after our minds. He's after our minds. He wants to get in our thought process because if he can get in our minds, he would get us to start 
doubting, if we start doubting, we'll start looking crazy. If we start looking crazy, then we're not going to do anything. The enemy is after our minds because he knows if I can get their minds, I can stop them from doing the work. That's why the Bible tells us we have to guard our minds. We have to guard our hearts. We have to be on high alert because there is an enemy that's going around like a roaring lion looking to see whom he can devour. Saints of God, as you are building, as you're rebuilding your life, as we're rebuilding ministry, we have to guard our minds and realize the enemy will try everything that he can to put thoughts in there. That's not even true. To put unbelief in our minds. I can't do this. I can't get this done. I'm a single parent. There's no way I don't make that much money. There's no way I can be free, debt free. There's no way I can be. Free. He will put everything on our minds. What? To paralyze us and stop us from completing the work. Because he realized anything else I try won't stop him. But if I get in their minds. If I can cause them to think differently, if I can cause them, if I can cause them to see differently, if I can cause them to see this thing as a disaster, then I can be able to stop them. I love it. This is in this we see with Nehemiah that progress warrants opposition. You and I cannot build anything great and not expect for the enemy to show his head. Bible says it's a whole list of stuff that they go through and that, 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 that we see that they try to do against Nehemiah and his team to be able to stop them from doing the work look at this, look at this, look at this the first thing he does is, the first thing the enemy does is he uses anger from others look at verse 1 and 7 Sanballat was very angry when he learned that they were rebuilding a wall. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews. Look at verse 7. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the work was being work was going ahead and that the gaps in the walls of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They were upset about walls being down. During this time, they had been taking advantage of the people. It was an easy way for them to be able to get in. Why? The walls had been down for over a hundred years. Man, who do you think he is? Coming in here. This ain't even his hometown. Coming in here trying to take over. Is he, is he trying to make a name for himself? Trying to show everybody how saved he is, how strong he is, how tight his relationship is with God. They were upset. Don't you know that your rebuilding offends people? Don't you know that you're moving forward and you're going forward and progressing offends people? There are some that wants to see you stay right where you are and never excel. There are some that have allowed COVID to cripple them from not doing anything. They're upset that Nehemiah is striving to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem to help bring back, to help bring the people out of the reproach, to help bring the people out of embarrassment. They're upset, but then they use sarcasm. Look at verse 2 and 3. He says here, he says, saying in front of his friends and the, and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the walls in a single day by offering us few sacrifices? 
Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing standing uh, beside him, remarked, That's the, uh, 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 that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along on top of it. Now they're just being funny. Oh, what are these poor, broken down, feeble Jews going to do? They ain't got no fresh brick. They didn't go. They didn't go over to Murfreesboro and go to Wright Center and get some new brick. They're, they're having to rebuild from broken pieces. What in the world can they do with what they have? How? Even if they tried to do it, could they get it done in a day? In fact, it wouldn't even be strong enough for animals to be able to walk on it. How in the world do they expect? There's no way they can be able to get it done. Everything is up against them. But they still have a passion and a desire to keep going and doing the work. Here it is. Saints of God, I wish I was with me this morning to help me preach. That you and I have to make up in our minds somewhere along the journey in life and saying, hey, come hell or how what? It does not matter what comes up against me. If God has given me something to do, if God has given me a vision, if God has graced me by George, I'm going to get that thing done by the grace and the power of God. We have to make up in our minds that our position folks being mad at me and sarcasm and acting funny will not stop me from fulfilling the God vision that God has given me there has to be something deep down on the inside that keeps you going and keeps you doing even when everything is coming up against you and I had that burden that would not leave him and I had that vision that would not leave him and it was strong enough and he was passionate enough about it that he did not allow anger from others or sarcasm or even threats to stop him from fulfilling the work oh you can't build nothing great if you don't expect opposition you can't build nothing great and not expect people to talk you cannot build anything great and not expect for folks to have comments about it you and I have to be like David when all the men came up against him when the enemy had came in and took all their wives and kids and they blamed David and David had nobody else to lean on David said he had to step to the side and say hey I have to encourage myself in the Lord and every now and then you have to give your own self a pep rally and not wait for somebody else you have to tell yourself self I'm going to make it through this self we're going to get through this self we're going to do this all by the help and the power of God you can always wait on someone to rally you and encourage you some of those things has to come down from deep down inside of us in our walk with God in our time of prayer in our time of the word to keep us going even when it gets hard along the way that sarcasm, they got anger, they got they got threats. Look at eleven and twelve. Meanwhile, our enemies are saying, before they know what's happening, we're gonna swoop down on them, we're gonna kill them and end all of their work. The enemy's plan was to begin to help them to ruin everything they desired to do. One to use hopelessness and, 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 and exhaustion and fear to cause them to stop doing what God had called them to do saints of God if we are going to build if we're going to move forward we have to learn how to manage the problems that come with progress I know that sounds strange how in the world pastor if I'm making progress are there going to be problems here's the reality of the fact progress is messy rebuilding is messy I told you, a hundred years 
They have been living in ruins. A hundred years they have been living in ruins. They have been living amongst broken pieces of brick, broken pieces of marble all around them. The Bible even says that along the way they get, they get exhausted and tired because before they can begin to rebuild, they have to clean up all the rubbish. <laughs> oh, that's the word for somebody right there. You're trying to rebuild. You're trying to rebuild, but you don't want to face what has happened in the past. You're trying to start a new relationship, but you can't start a new relationship because you're over the, the, the old relationship and what went on and the old relationship because if you don't deal with that, it's going to come right over into the new relationship. They, have, they, they realize that before we rebuild on a greater foundation, we have to clean up the rubbish. We have to clean up the mess of the past. Oh, because if you don't clean up the mess from the past, the mess will haunt you in the future. If you don't deal with the mess in the past, the mess will creep up somewhere along the way and you can think you have a good foundation, but the mess will show up in the midst of the foundation and ruin everything that you tried to build. Get there. It's a mess. Even though they're making progress, it's messy. Even though they got half the wall up, it's messy. If we're going to build anything great, we got to learn how to manage the problems of progress. Well, Pastor, how do we do that? I'm so glad you asked that question this morning. Here it is. Nehemiah helps us and gives us great wisdom and insight on how to be able to manage the problems of progress. Look at verse 4, chapter 4, verse 6. It says, at last, the work was completed to half its height around the city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. Here it is. If we are going to manage the problems of progress, we have to relentlessly pursue the work. 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 That means, once again, people of God, that we got to keep working. We got to keep working. We got to keep working. We got to stay at this thing. We have to stay encouraged and believe that what I'm building, what I'm doing matters to God and that if it matters to God, it matters to me. And if it matters to me, it matters to God. We have to relentlessly keep going and work and working and working and building and not stopping until it gets done. You and I have to make up in our minds that no matter how long it may take, no matter how inconvenient it may be, I'm going to keep working until I fulfill the plan, until the work gets done, until the job gets done. They were committed enough to see it all through despite the opposition that they face. Here it is, saints. I believe sometimes we don't always see the goals that we desire. Sometimes we don't always see the finished work that we desire. It's for two reasons. Because we're not committed enough and we give up too soon. Oh, man. Y'all don't want to talk to me today. Y'all looking at me strange. Don't look at me like that. We don't see it all the way through. We don't see the finished product because we give up too soon and we're not fully committed. Pastor, how do you know? All right, I keep messing with all of us. But, hey, if you're trying to lose weight, 
Somebody's like, oh, here he is again. We ain't talking about bald-headed people. Mind your own business. Leave my bald-headed alone. I'm not messing with you. I am messing with you this morning. I'm messing with all of us. But if we're striving to lose weight and we have a goal and we say, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds by the end of the month. And if we're not fully committed enough, we will give up that first day because we didn't lose a pound. I'm moving, Elder. I'm moving. We don't always see the end of a thing because we're not committed enough and we give up too soon. There has to be something on the inside of us, saints of God, that will not that will not back up, that will not shrink back, but that will continue to go after and build and do the work, even if you're working by yourself and having to do it all by yourself, that you will continue to do it, that you will accept the conversations, you will accept what people have to say, you will ignore them all at the same time, but that you will realize that what I'm doing is going to make a difference. What I'm building is going to make a difference. It matters to God and it matters to me. You and I have to have it down on the inside of us to relentlessly pursue the work no matter what. In other words, giving up is not an option. Quitting is not an option. That we make up in our minds I'm going to see this thing through by the help of God. Every now and then you got to remind yourself that the mighty hand, the gracious hand of God is on my life. You have to remind yourself that God has graced me to be able to do this. And because God has graced us to do a thing, does not mean that God will eliminate the obstacles. But he'll grace you to handle everything that comes your way. He won't make it easy, but he'll give you grace to be able to get through it. He'll give you grace to be able to climb over it. He'll give you grace to be able to deal with it. We have to relentlessly, and not just relentlessly do the work, but I love it what Nehemiah says. He says the people did the work with excitement. They rebuild the walls with excitement. Can you imagine? You got a bunch of you got a bunch of people rounding together, building a wall back together, and they're all excited about picking up bricks and, and, and clean up rubbish. They're moving stuff with excitement. They're cleaning up rubbish with excitement because they knew what the vision was, and they knew what the end was going to be. They knew what the completed and finished work was going to accomplish and that alone had them excited. And real, this is just rubbish right now. But man, when we finish building, this thing is going to be a beautiful building that our people are going to be protected. Our sons will be protected. Our wives will be protected. Our, they knew what the finished end was going to be. And they did it with excitement. Anything that we do, saints of God, it has to be done with passion. Anything that we do, it ought to be with excitement. Anything that we do for God, anything that we do in life, it should be something that we do with every fiber of our being and getting it done. Progress is not just managed by relentlessly pursuing the work, but it's also managed with prayer and with vigilance. Look at verse 9. It says here, but when we pray to our God, but we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. They did this because the enemy got word that, hey, they are now repairing the gaps. They're repairing the gaps. They're restoring the gaps there. And he said they were upset about it and they made their plans to come and try to confuse them and get in the midst of the plans of what they were striving to do. But what did Nehemiah do? He did what he always do to do. He did what he started in the beginning. Nehemiah realized that this thing that I'm doing, it does not just start with God. 
God and I try to figure out how we're going to make it through in the middle. He said, no, it starts with God. God is in the middle and God's going to be at the finish line. Nehemiah understood that what is beyond my control, what I'm not able to do, he says, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to invite God into my affairs and get God in my problems and get God in my issues and I'm going to rely upon God to give me what I need to do, what he has called me to do. Nehemiah realized if I'm going to manage this progress that we're in right now, I cannot do it without prayer. Saints of God, what makes us think that you and I can make it through life without praying to God? Oh, I hate to say this. We're not that smart to be able to go through life without God. Doesn't matter how many degrees you have in front of your name, in the middle of your name, at the end of your we're not that great that you and I can make it through life without relying upon God. I love it because every time Nehemiah got up to something, he would go and talk to God. We talked about this in, 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 in part one, about that in the moment prayer. He didn't wait and say, well, when I get home tonight, then I'm going to pray. No, no, no. Nehemiah stopped right there and he prayed. And when he stood right there and prayed, God gave him everything that he needed to be able to handle the assignment. Sometimes the progress that we have or that we're trying to make becomes a struggle and hard, not because of God, but because of us not dependent upon God to help us in doing the work. All, all, all prayer is is God saying, God, I, I, I cannot, but you can. God, I don't know how, but I believe that if I call upon you, you can empower me to be able to get it done. Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah prayed. People prayed. He led the people in prayer. And they guarded the city day and night. I love it. I love it. I love it. That Nehemiah and the people were not so spiritual that they missed the natural. He said, we're going to pray, but I'm going to take Deacon and put him over there on that end. I'm going to give him a bow. I'm going to take Brother Victor and put him on that end in the back. I'm going to give him an arrow. I'm going to take Deacon Brian and put him over there. I'm going to give him a shotgun. They put the people in place. Why? They had got word about what the enemy was going to do to try to come in and confuse them and take over. They have no walls. They got half the wall up. It is still accessible for the enemy to be able to creep in and cause trouble. They said, no, we're going to pray, but we're also going to use wisdom is that we're going to arm people and put them in the right place to be able to have one hand while they're building and the other hand ready to fight if necessary. They realize if we're going to manage progress, then we have to pray and be aware. We have to pray and be aware. We have to pray and be aware. We have to pray. And be aware why Peter said there is a roaring lion running around seeking to see who he can devour. And we get devoured because we've been praying, but we're not aware. Oh, I'm up here preaching, but I'm fully aware about where I am and what's going on. Why? Let some jump off. I'm a flight attendant. Huh? Oh, I'm aware. I know what's going on. I can look at Deacon a certain way and they already know we own it, Pastor. 
I'm aware. He says we have to pray and we have to be aware because there's an enemy that's trying to come in. And here it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You and I have to get to a place that we began to protect what we started rebuilding. Oh, my goodness. We have to get to a place where I am guarding and protecting what I have been striving to commit myself to do. That I'm not going to let nobody come and talk about it. I'm not going to let nobody come in and ruin what I have already started. That it has to be something within us that we get a little confidence on the inside of us that we say no 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 I know what you're saying I know what you desire to do but this is what God has given me to do and this is how we're going to do it and this is when we're going to do it and we're protecting what we've already started doing they prayed but then they were aware they prayed and they were vigilant they were ready if the enemy showed up to be able to take him out. But they prayed. Nehemiah realized if we're going to get it done, we can't get it done without God. Nehemiah realized those four months I spent with God in prayer, those four months I spent with God and talked to him, it was worth it. He said, but I, I know I did that for four months, but I still need him in the moment right now because stuff keeps coming up. Stuff keeps coming. And every time, when you look at the scriptures, every time something comes up, what does Nehemiah do? He doesn't run to the people and say, ah, the enemy is coming. Nehemiah ran to God. God, here's what's going on. And God would give him what he needed to be able to handle the situation and get the people ready. It didn't just start with God and he figured out in the middle. It started with God. God was in the middle and God was going to be at the end of it. We're going to manage the progress of problems. If we're going to, if we're going to manage the problems of progress, we gotta, we gotta relentlessly pursue this work. We gotta pray, and we gotta be aware. Everybody say, be aware. be aware. We can't allow our spirituality to overcome the natural, but that we can still realize I need prayer, but I also gotta be aware. But then look at verse 14. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is what? Who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your home. If we're going to manage the problems of progress, we got to keep our focus on God. I like it because Nehemiah shows great, so much great leadership. He stands before the people. I love it. He observes the situation. He looks over everything. Looks over everything. And then he stands before the people. And he challenges the people and encourages the people to remember how great God is. He challenges the people to remember how glorious God is. I love it because he uses encouragement and he uses delegation at the same time. He encourages them to remind them about who God is, how great and how courageous and glorious he is. And then he tells them, now I want you to go back out there and fight. Fight for your sons. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sisters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your families. 
every now and then, we have to remember and recall to ourselves how great God is. Sometimes you and I have to have a personal moment where we begin to reflect back and we see not just the greatness of God overall, but we begin to meditate and to reflect upon the greatness of God in our own lives. Every now and then, you and I have to go back and look back and glean back and remember all the great powerful things that God has done in our lives, all the great and powerful things, all the great and powerful ways that God has shown himself strong in our lives. Every now and then, we have to go back and see in our own lives and almost run a movie in our own lives and reflect upon the goodness and the greatness and the glorious, majestic power of God in our own lives to, in, to empower us, to, in, to encourage us to remember if the same God was able to do that then he's the same God that can be able to help me now if he was the same God that showed up and showed out years ago the Bible says he does not change at all so if that's the case if he did it then he can be able to do it now the only thing that may have changed is my faith and trust in him but if I can trust him like I did last time God is God enough that he can be able to do it again don't you know that we serve the God of an encore that he can do a thing over and over and over and over again. In fact, he's so bad, he can do it over again and he can out God himself the last time from how he did it before and do it even greater than he did the last time. Oh, well, we have to go back and think about the, the think about the hard times that God has brought us through when they were building a building across the street, when they remodeled the building, when they paid it off, when they paid this land off, when they came over here and built this building without a pastor, when they did all of those great things, all that does is encourage us to remind us that the same God that kept us from 1902 is the same God that would keep us in 2022. The same God that brought us over then is the same God that can keep us down. The same God that brought them through all the ordeals of the 20s is the same God that can bring us through chickenpox and COVID-19. He is the same one that can be able to work and move. Now we have not seen anything yet. If we keep on trusting, if we keep on believing, if we keep on seeking, if we keep on trusting, God will out God himself and do out outdo himself better than he did the last time. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ever ask, think a wish. There won't be no progress without problems. Progress in itself is messy. Bible says over in verse, I think it's verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers, the workers are getting tired. And there's so much rubble, there's so much mess to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. It's just like the enemy to put in a drop of discouragement when they're halfway there. <laughs> they got half the wall up. Now the workers are tired. They've grown weary 
They look at the rubble. They look at, they look at the mess on the ground. They say, there's no way we can be able to rebuild this by ourselves. It had to have been discouraging that you see as you're building, the more you build, the more rubble you see on the ground. The more progress you make, you still see stuff on the ground. So much that they did not think they could do it by themselves. Saints, don't be fooled by what you see. Don't be fooled by what you see. I know, I know, I know. Pastors, like every time I take a step forward, it's almost like I'm taking two steps back. Something always happens. Well, let me tell you, in spite of that and what you see, in spite of what may be going on, I still need you to keep moving. I still need you to keep building. Oh, well, pastor, oh, church never be the same again. We'll never get back to how we used to be. You're absolutely right. But there's something greater ahead that if we can keep going and keep pushing and keep serving and keep preaching and keep doing. Because even when you're progressing, you'll still see there's more to be done. And when you see that there's more to be done, sister preacher, that can get discouraging because you think, I just hit a milestone. Oh, no, there's still more. But despite of the rubble that we see on the ground, we're going to keep building. We're going to keep building. When it doesn't look like what we thought that it should look like, we're going to keep, we're going to reassess and we're going to keep building. We're going to keep building. We're going to keep, we're going to make adjustments and we're going to keep building. Why? There's an entire wall that has to be built. That so many people will benefit from it. That we can't stop in the middle of it. But we got to keep moving until we got the wall all the way up. Everybody was a part. Some, you had nobles and you had priests, you had kings out there in the rubble to let the people know there was no job too big or too small that a king could not do in helping to rebuild the wall. What are you saying, Pastor? There's something for everybody. There's there's a role, there's a part that everybody can be able to take on. To be a part in us rebuilding the wall. Age doesn't matter. It could be a multi-generational team in rebuilding the wall. But it takes all of us together with great excitement and enthusiasm to be able to rebuild the wall. Father God, we thank you. God, we praise you. God, we magnify you and we lift you up. You are a great God. You are a glorious God. And you are worthy of all the praise, all the glory, all the honor that we can give. I pray right now, Father God, that as we look at our own lives, if we look at our church, if we look at our ministry, Lord God, I pray that as much as we can see the rubble of what needs to still yet get done, God, I pray that we can still see progress. 
that we can see what we have been able to accomplish through your power and your strength, God. I pray that we can see that corporately, and I pray that in our own individual lives, God, that we can see beyond the rubble, beyond the mess, that we can see what you have done, what you're doing, and what the future is going to look like. God, I pray that where we are tired, that we that we get rest, that someone comes and take over, Father God, that the work will continue, that we won't give up, that we won't quit, that we won't throw in the towel, no matter how frustrated we may get, no matter how tired we may get, God, that we'll rest before we quit. God, that we'll rest before we call it out. We'll rest before we stop. That we'll rest before we sabotage, oh God, what you're striving to do. We thank you now. And we ask it all in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Come on and clap those hands real good. Clap those hands real good, real good, real good.